Hey folks, I'm Karen Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl. I'm a writer and critic parked at the intersection of geekdom and diversity. And I'm Chuck Collins, comic book artist, former bouncer, and horror connoisseur. And this is Pop Paranormal from Travel Channel. Welcome back to the show where we take you from the scary screen to behind the scenes of the most talked about horror movies and shows. Okay, so Chuck, I just heard about this crazy urban legend about a killer mannequin in a hospital. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the expressionless. Is this a woman that just had plastic surgery or something? Or <laughs> You would only wish, right? Here's the story. In 1972, a woman covered in blood shows up at Cedars-Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles. Her appearance okay. is so disturbing, everyone is freaking the hell out. Wow. Because not only is she bloody, she also looks like a mannequin. And then they called it... What? Yeah, yeah. She looked like a straight-up mannequin. Like, not the good, like, 80s movie kind. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> and then they called in a doctor to treat her. The doctor tries to sedate her and lets her know, like, look, we're just trying to take care of you. But the, the, throughout the whole time, she's just sitting there with no expression on her face whatsoever. No eyebrows, no anything. The moment they try to strap her down and stick the needle to sedate her, mm -hmm. she turns around with this really messed up, gritty smile. And you could start to see what looked like razor sharp teeth. Oh, my God. It was a demon. The doctor, losing his mind, scared out of his wits, goes, what are you? This woman gets up, takes a huge chunk out of his neck with those razor-sharp teeth. She's a vampire. No. Now get this. She answers him and says, I am God. What? Then she gets up and leaves the hospital. Now, there are various reports saying that as she was leaving the hospital, she just ate everybody and just left. Oh, my God. Then there's also people who said, no, she just got up and left. But she was never seen again. The one nurse that was left behind when the authorities apparently came up to her and asked her what happened, this nurse called her the expressionless. Okay, so most of these urban legends have, like, some element of truth to them. So has this one been debunked? Well, in the same year, 1972, there was a British photography book that came out featuring the student, like, featuring, like, student nurses with a lifelike wax doll patient. Oh, and the okay. picture is likely what inspired the story, you know, since it all happened in the same year. Oh, my God. So, you know, it, it, that's how it goes. You see one thing and somebody probably thought, oh, man, that looks like a freaky picture. Let me make up a yeah, cool story to go like, along with yeah, it. Yeah, and it was like 50 years ago. So people have had plenty of time to make up stories and oh, yeah. add their own add versions stuff to it. On. We wow. don't know if she actually took a chunk out of the doctor's neck. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what we're going to be talking about today on the show, folks. All things urban legends. Why we have them, how they evolve, why we can't get enough of them. And we're going to talk about the Urban Legend movie trilogy. Now, Chuck, real quick, what are the three mm -hmm. movies? Well, we got Urban Legend, the original one, released mm -hmm. in 1998. We got Urban Legend's Final Cut, released in 2000. And we have Urban Legend's Bloody Mary, released in 2005. So do you have a favorite? If I did have to pick one, it would have to be Bloody Mary. Why that one? Well, mostly because, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm all about the supernatural stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the other two were more like action thriller, whodunit. This one actually dealt with the supernatural entity. And I was like, all right, I'm here for it. <laughs> 
We've all heard of the Bloody Mary or the legend before. You say her name a certain number of times in the mirror. She comes mm-hmm. to get you. And what's interesting is the Urban Legend Trilogy is actually some of the favorite movies of our guests on the show today. Right. Esteemed director Eli Roth. And he has a terrifying new anthology series that drops October 28th on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. And it's called, wait for it, Urban Legends. <laughs> and it's yeah. inspired by the trilogy. It's it's really, really fascinating. What I really like about this series is that Eli actually worked with up-and-coming directors on each of these episodes. Kind of like a way to cultivate new talent. And we talk right. a bunch about that. We also talk about his love for short-form storytelling. He's mm-hmm. got so many anthologies and so many shows. I actually got a travel channel right now. And of course, we ask him about where his interest in urban legends comes from. That was fun. Yeah, that was pretty cool. We got a chance to see a sneak peek. We did. Each episode is like a mini horror film that explores a different urban legend, which personally I like because we get to do a deep dive into them. Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I never heard about the one with the scuba diver in the tree until talking to him. Are you serious? I've heard that one before. Yeah. I've totally heard that one before. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I never heard that one. So now, moving back to Urban Legend, the movie trilogy, each of these movies offers, like, their own take on Urban Legends. And there's a lot of them packed in there. Right. Well, you know what time it is, right? Yep. It's time for the one-minute movie breakdown. Okay, so there's three movies, so I get a minute a movie, right? Nope. What? All of them under a minute. Oh, that's so unfair. <laughs> that, nah, that's life. All right, I'm going to try this. But I am obviously about to spoil the entire Urban Legend franchise, okay? So don't come for me. All right. I'm going to start timing you starting right now. Okay. In the first Urban Legend movie, it was actually filmed by Jamie Blanks, and it's where a serial killer is on the loose at Pendleton University, and students are dying in the same manner as Urban Legends. Now, in Urban Legends Final Cut, a film student, Amy, is trying to win a prestigious film award by creating a thesis film, you guessed it, about Urban Legends. But after the cameraman walks off after thinking she stole his idea, people start dying in the manner of Urban Legends. In Urban Legends Bloody Mary, it starts in the past, where three football players kidnap and drug their homecoming dates, but one of them doesn't die. She's knocked out, thrown in the trunk, where she later dies, and 35 years later, teens say Bloody Mary in a mirror, and she returns to exact revenge on her killer through the Descendants. Wow. You literally did three movies in under a minute. See? You are built for this. You about this life, baby. You know what? I'm done with you. (laughs) Never do that again. So, I've got to shout out who was in the original Urban Legend from 1998. Because it really brings me back to, like, Blockbuster's best of horror section. (laughs) There's some (laughs) back in the 90s. So, there's, of course, Jared Leto, Alicia Witt. Rebecca Gayhart, Michael Rosenbaum, this is, you know, before he was Lex Luthor, Joshua Jackson, Tara Reid, and Loretta Devine. And Loretta Devine is like, first of all, she almost dies in the first one trying to save everybody as the only, is it me or is she the only security guard on the entire campus? She's like the only security person. 
Period. Like, period. And then in the second movie, in Urban Legend Final Cut, mm -hmm. where she's literally at a different school. I guess she's like, hey, I almost died. I'm going to transfer yeah, to a new school. Yeah, I'm just going to go over here. Now there's more Urban Legends. Yeah. I just couldn't figure out why she made such bad employment decisions well, and hair choices. Because yeah. those wigs were Oh, ooh, she was, she was cute were that movie. I, I, I liked <laughs> those her Those wigs that. were rough. I mean, if you look at the whole <laughs> cast, could it be any more rising stars from the That's 90s true. with that whole thing? That's true. I mean, look. You had the beginnings, the early beginnings of the DCU in there. You had the oh Joker, my God, Lex Luthor, right. and you even had the early beginnings of Sharknado. Like, at one point, I thought Jared Leto was going to be walking around there, and then Ben Affleck was going to come out of nowhere and punch him in the face. And I thought Tom Welling was going to come down and pick up Michael Rosenbaum's like, dude, you, you do this. And throw him. And just throw him somewhere. I have no idea how you were going to work in Sharknado into this podcast, but you found a way to do it. <laughs> but that, no, but check this out, though. When I saw Tower Reed, I thought dude from 90210 was going to show up with a giant <laughs> chainsaw in a flying saucer with a literal Sharknado behind him. <laughs> Absolutely. You were hysterical. What's really funny about Urban Legend is when it first dropped in the 90s, critics really slammed it. And, and so many horror oh, yeah. films started this way and they became cult classic later. But critics slammed the film for attempting to emulate Wes Craven's Scream, mm -hmm. which came out in 1996. And I Know What You Did Last Summer, which came out in 1997. Exactly. And, and the thing is, people in Hollywood wanted to make the next Scream. They saw the success in that there was a whole bunch of stuff in there that was like over-the-top edgy dialogue because no one speaks like this. But that's that's the funny part. People will look at the movie and think, oh, that's how everybody spoke in the 90s. And we're like, no, we didn't. No, no we didn't. it's not. <laughs> it really isn't. Like, we weren't going around to my, yeah, let me tell you something with that cadence in your voice. You never did. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to Reese for a second, played by the incredible Loretta Devine. The thing that I love about Reese is that so often in horror movies, cops can't seem to do their job. They mess everything up and they just are oblivious. But Reese actually cares about the students and is asking what I think is some very relevant questions. What are you doing out here in the dark? I was just going to the library. Alone at this hour? In this weather? Girl, get in this car. I'll drive you. She wasn't even a cop, though. She was just campus security. Oh, my God, you're right. I didn't think about that. She was, and that's the other thing that got me. Where's the actual police? Where they at? <laughs> like, <laughs> Where are the authorities, ma'am? <laughs> people were getting wheeled off like, oh, I got injured. Where they go? To the, the basement in the university? Like, I don't... What, what is happening? You... Love I'm this serious. Movie. And, and, you and listen, I swear, the comedy that you get off of the, these movies is hysterical to me. Oh, no, I love it. No, that, but that's the reason why I loved it so much. I sat here and made up my own thing for it. You just made up your you know? movie. <laughs> like, because this dude had the hood on with like all the fur in it, and no matter how light reflected on it, it you was just a void of darkness. Face, right? You couldn't see his face at all. So then I was comfortable with saying, yeah, he is an interdimensional being <laughs> that came from a hell dimension, and he's here to kill everybody. I felt comfortable with but that. Wait, who when comes I found out he Wasn't. Wait, I wait. Was like, uh, but who comes to, who comes from a hell dimension in a Burlington parka? 
like on yeah, sale. Seriously. Like, who does that? Like, he saw that and he was like, yo, that's going to do it. That's going to scare everybody. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, in the end of that first movie, it was a woman, which was even more hysterical. Listen, um, okay. So, and this is not me saying anything crazy, but like, I was like, that girl is tiny. There is no way she is lifting Joshua Jackson's body up to get hanged from a tree the way that she did. I was like, no, that is not real life. <laughs> What all three movies share is that each one of these films use real-life urban legends as source material. Exactly. Some of them come to mind, like people waking up in the bathtub full of vice with, like, kidneys removed. Mm -hmm. Or one kidney, I should say. You know, a man dies on a tanning bed, the killer in the back seat of the car. That's a famous one, yeah. Yeah, and the dog in the microwave, which is the worst one ever. Oh, yeah, that one was so creepy because there's part of it that's true. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, there's a whole poodle in the microwave story, and the urban legend goes, a woman puts her poodle in the microwave to dry it off after a bath, which, by the way, whoever's listening, do not try this at home. Please do not put any any of your puppies or canines in the microwave. I don't want anybody from Travel Channel for calling me. I like this job. Don't do this, okay? I will find you myself. (laughs) I will find you. So anyway, the urban legend goes, she puts the poodle in the microwave to dry it off after a bath. I don't know how long she put it in there for, but the poodle supposedly exploded. The creepy thing about this is in real life, apparently something similar happened, but it's even more gruesome. Supposedly, this woman from Illinois decided to microwave and then eat her poodle. You can look this up if you want, but it, like, if it's true, I'm horrified. Yeah. All of it is horrible. But I, what I will say is every single urban legend like this story has a kernel of truth to it. And then what happens right. is over time, mm-hmm. people just keep adding to the story and adding right. their little twist to it. Like mm-hmm. that uncle who comes to Thanksgiving dinner and tells the same story every year, but differently. That's how urban legends work. So, what I want to know is, what is your favorite urban legend? Use hashtag pop paranormal and let us know. Coming up, you'll hear our discussion with Eli Roth, and he's going to talk about his new series, Urban Legend, and what inspired it. What's up, Pop Paranormies? Today we're talking to Eli Roth, and I really think he had the best job when he got to prepare for his latest series, Urban Legend, because he just got to go around and research urban legends. And I know from like writing my book that the research is the best part. I go down so many rabbit holes. No, absolutely. I mean, every time you go to any region, Everyone has their own urban legend stories, big or small. And people are always convinced that they're true. You can't tell them otherwise. No, you you can't. (laughs) But it was a lot of fun to talk to Eli Roth about all that stuff. Yes. Eli Roth has quite the horror resume. For those of you, two of you listening that don't know who he is, he directed the films Cabin Fever, which was released in 2003, and Hostel, which was released in 2005, among many others. Yeah, I remember Hostel. That you was do? that was a yeah, yeah. That was that was my first like Eli Roth movie to see. I didn't see I saw Cabin Fever later. But, gotcha. Um, did you have did you have any favorites from that film? There was this one actor, Derek Richardson, that played Josh Brooks in the movie. 
Shout out to him because he played Josh pretty well because Josh was just a douche and um, <laughs> the overprivileged douche. And there was a point where he's about to get tortured and it's like you see it. That privilege just came out so much to the point where he couldn't believe it was happening. But you saw like that transition from like, this isn't really happening. I'm an American, blah, blah, blah. And then it was just like, oh, no, this is reality. Welcome to the Terra Dome. What happened to him? <laughs> Oh, he caught it. I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't okay. seen it yet, but he catches it kind of bad. The other thing about Eli is that he's done a ton of other stuff. He's a producer, actor, writer. His latest one, My Possessed Pet, is chilling. Plus, as we mentioned, he's executive producing Urban Legend, an anthology series that explores a different urban legend every episode. And all of that's on Travel Channel and Discovery Plus. So you got to check that out. Eli Roth. Welcome to Pop Paranormal. Really nice to meet you guys. And congrats on your new series, Urban Legend. And it's inspired by the trilogy, right? Yeah, it is. I love Urban Legend. I grew up, you know, as a kid in the 80s, pre-internet, telling Urban Legends, believing in Urban Legends. And I love the idea of doing them as standalone episodes because in the films, you have to find a way to sort of tie the story around the Urban Legends. But in this, we can literally just take the Urban Legend and tell it as a great half-hour story. So it was a combination of picking my favorite ones and ones that were doable. What's one of your favorite Urban Legends? Because I grew up in Brooklyn. We have tons. So many. Like, yeah, I grew up in, in outside <laughs> Boston. So like in nice. the East Coast, there was a very, it was a very big thing. My favorite one was the Organ Harvest because there were so <gasps> oh, many yeah. things about it that were so crazy. That, that was the one that people really, first of all, all of them, everyone swore that they were true, that they really happened. Yeah. And they, yeah. they have enough of an element that they could have. Like the person, like the choking Doberman is the one where like, oh, the, the <laughs> oh, woman Jesus. Doberman, it's choking. And it's like the dog's coughing. And then she goes and drops it at the vet and then goes home. And then the vet's like, we found what it was choking on. It was choking on fingers. There's a burglar inside your house. Get out, get out, get out. So it's so crazy, but you go, you know what? That actually could happen. And that's where those great urban legends lie. And for me, the organ harvest, it's even before hostel. Everyone's like, oh, careful. Go, you know, you're going to fall asleep and wake up and someone's harvesting your organs. So that's, that's one of those things that you know, I love that. I love slasher movies. I love body horror. Mm -hmm. And that really combines the best of both. And, you know, the nice thing, again, with doing it as standalone is, you know, there was one that I really wanted to do that was a big challenge, which is the scuba diver in the tree. And that oh, wasn't a popular yeah. one. That's like an but like people are walking through the woods and they look up and they see like a scuba diver dead in a tree. And he's like kind of melted there because he died in a forest fire and that he was diving in a lake nearby. And because there was a fire, the helicopters came to scoop up water out of the lake. This guy had <laughs> no idea what was going on and he what was dropped hell? in a forest fire. Now, it's hilarious. Like that's a great urban legend. Like, okay, if you were just like doing a practice dive or training, and right. you were in some lake, do they do, like, I don't know if they do that with, it's 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 got enough of this stuff where I'm like, is, is right. that well, how they fight forest fires? Yeah. There's always somebody that says, no, 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 that really happened. I know it. My cousin told me it absolutely happened. And you're like, did it though? <laughs> Everybody's one person removed, you know? Like, you're like, your cousin's like, no, 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 but I know the guy who knew the guy. Exactly. Right, exactly. right. Well, the funny thing is, I grew up, okay, so, like I said, I grew up in Brooklyn, but I grew up in a Haitian household. And Haiti has a crap ton of urban legends. One of my favorites was Met Minui, which is the Keeper of Midnight. And it was like a tale that you told kids 
don't stay out after midnight because this literally 12-foot-tall, lanky demon person will come out of the woods and just get you. And I remember as a kid, I was so afraid of Met Me Me. Every time I would, like, I don't want to go to sleep. Like, my mom, Met Me Me, she's going gonna to come get you. And I was like, I had to go to sleep. Well, it's it's the Haitian version of La Llorona. I mean, that was yeah. exactly. my Mexican friends. They're like, don't go out in the street. La Llorona, the crying woman will get you. And exactly. there's the thing if you're like, oh, my mom's just making this up. But you're like, you know what? I don't want to risk it. Like, what if she, <laughs> what if there's that 1% chance you know, the, the fun with Urban Legends was finding different kinds of stories. You know, we thought like, okay, some of these are great and they did them in the movie, but you know what? They're also good stories and they're fun and we don't have to tie it into a killer. We don't have to tie it. There are true standalone episodes. So right. they all have the theme of the Urban Legend and I didn't want them all to be ghosty. Like I wanted the mortician's dress, the prom dress, where the girl buys the vintage prom dress and she starts seeing visions of a dead girl and it turns out that it was a mortician mm who was taking the dress and the chemicals. Like there was a girl that died in the dress and the mortician was taking clothes off dead people and selling them. And the ghost haunts the girl. And Ethan Evans is a uh, young director who directed some, mm -hmm. some of the really scary episodes on Haunted Music. Just made a terrifying episode. But then I also wanted to do the organ. And, and we had a big discussion about the bathtub full of ice. Yes, that's always part of <laughs> yeah, it. That's, yeah. I interview the directors after. So, so the episode will air and then there's like a thing, I'm doing a thing called Filmmaker to Filmmaker, where I ask them about the legend and what was the what was the thing that drew them. And we have a long discussion because he didn't want to do the bathtub full of ice because he's like, if you're in a bathtub full of ice, you're going to die of hypothermia before you wake up. If you put someone in an ice tub, <laughs> you can stay in there five minutes, maybe 20 minutes. But after that point, you'll be, you wouldn't wake up. So he's like, that's one of those things that got added to the urban legend that really doesn't make right. any sense. Like, I woke up in a bathtub, like, okay, you're going to cut someone's organs out, but let me just fill the tub, bring in the ice. If you're going to do that to someone, why would you move them into a tub full of ice exactly. to wish them a speedy recovery? It's like, he's like, so I just want it, like, you get cut, you wake up, you're drugged out, and you have, and so he his thing was, you have a certain amount of, like, time to get to the hospital or to figure this out, to pay the money, to get your kidney back, to then get to the hospital before your blood starts poisoning itself before you're going to go into sepsis. So, and that right. sounds more possible. <laughs> yeah, it does. And he owns it. And we did an interview. He's like, I took out the ice tub, but here's why. Because otherwise the story, wow. if you're filming it and actualizing it, it's over. Like you just, what they cut, oh, that got cut 20 minutes ago. It doesn't really make sense. So. Right, right. Part of the phone was adapting. And then, you know, Kat Hostick did the, this fantastic episode of The Creep in the Walls where the girls move into the house and they feel like they're being spied on. And there's someone oh. that has like a hidden chamber that's been living inside the walls of the old house, watching them and spying on them. And, you know, she did this great finale. I was like, okay, if we're going to do this story, let's do the horror movie finale where like they're in the walls looking around and then there's the chase and one of the sisters is trapped and the other's trying to bang through a wall, you know, with the <laughs> spike to get there. Like what was fun was taking the urban legends, writing it, and then really adapting it to that half hour episode of like a really great episode of Twilight Zone or Amazing Stories or one of these really good, right, right. fun anthologies, you know, and just trying to do a different variety. So they're not also, you know, the scuba I was like, I was obsessed. I was like, I don't know how we figure this out, but I want to do the scuba diver in the tree. I want 
that can be all like first person that's exactly. just one character just you're diving along it's so absurd <laughs> it's, how could you tie it into a movie i don't know it's so ridiculous but i was like exactly. i kind of want to see that i want to see what happens to someone when they when they're diving they're dropped into a fire and you've got oh. an oxygen tank so you can survive for a certain amount of time but does your skin yeah. get burned and does the suit get stuck to your skin and now you're oh in this God. heavy suit but it's protecting your skin and you've got the oxygen tank. So you've got 20 minutes. So you know you can get out of it because you have oxygen. But where do you go? How do you get help? You're surrounded by a forest fire. So part of the fun was coming up with the story, knowing we we're going to shoot it in five or six days. How is the director going to figure it out? And they were up for the challenge. The directors just loved it. They were so excited. I got to ask, with so many urban legends out there, how did you narrow it down? Like, how do you pick? I mean, narrowing it down can be daunting, but it's also fun. I mean, well, we looked up the different urban legends and you're collecting like 50 to 100 of them. And some of them have much more stories written about them. Other ones are one sentence. Other ones feel like rumors. And one of the qualifications that helped me narrow it down was these can't be regional. Mm -hmm. In the East Coast, there was Cropsey in Connecticut or Three-Fingered yep. Willie yeah. was the one in Maine. I mean, there were, there were yep. certain things that were very specific, but what makes a great urban legend is that no matter what town you were in, everybody swears that it happened and they know someone that it happened to. So it was kind of like narrowing out, finding the ones that would be fun stories, but ones that had that universal appeal and not making every single one a ghosty one. Okay, this is a ghost one. This is more of a slasher one. This is like a survival horror one. Trying to find, okay, the choking Doberman. That's like the classic, but <laughs> how do you build that out to half an hour? And then, you know, the writers came up with a fantastic way to do it and to extend the story and to set it up. So you have the choking Doberman part, but then it's like part of a bigger story. So you start with the hundred top ones and then you go, okay, let's pick our 20 favorite, and then you narrow it down. And then we would talk to Discovery and we go, all right, if we're going to do eight episodes, here's 12. And right. which ones do you guys like? And then it's also figuring out, you know, just which ones are going to be, okay, we could put more money. That'll be a big budget one, but maybe it needs less cast. And okay, we're going to have two kind of haunty ones, two slashery ones, two survivally ones. And just, it's sort of varying it a little bit. But also, there's so many great urban legends that we want the show to be a hit so we can just keep telling them. Speaking of like short versus long, why uh, do you like the anthology better than feature or do you? It's a different medium. You know, every story, mm -hmm. sometimes you see an amazing short and someone's like, oh, we should do a feature film out of that. Right. Like, they took lights out. James Wan knows how to I, do it and helps them. Yeah, got it. You know, they yeah. can, David Samberg, they can grow it into a, a feature film. Mm. Other times, you're just like, hmm. This is a great mm -hmm. short, and that's what it is. And sometimes <laughs> you have to be. go down the road of writing it to be like, yeah, we're just repeating the same thing, or there wasn't much meat on the bone. So every story yeah. has its own length. And I, instead of trying to fight it or look at it as lesser than a feature, I fully embrace it. Like when I was a kid, you know, I loved when there was scary, you know, Tales from the Crypt or The Twilight Zone, yes. when there was a really good dark room, when there was a really good horror anthology or even a bad yeah. horror anthology, I knew oh, yeah. I was going to get like a mini movie in half an hour and they were going to do something sick and twisted and weird. Yo. And I loved it. I, I just got to say this. Some of the most scariest stuff has come from horror movie shorts when I was a kid, especially, do you remember that TV show called Monsters? 
that used to come on. Yeah. Like it used to come yeah, on way yeah. back in the eighties. That was such a ridiculous thing because they had like every episode was just about a different monster of the week. And yep. there was one episode called The Fever Man, where it was literally a fever became sentient, came out of the dude and started killing everybody. And I was like, Oh my God, my fever is a monster. Like that lives yeah. inside of me. Yeah. They were cool. No. They were uh, those shows were great. Freddy's nightmares. There was really oh, fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, Friday absolutely. the 13th series. Well, yeah. you're about you're basically building this this uh, you have an empire already, I guess, of all of the longer form films you've done, but this shorter uh, series of movies that you're doing right here with Discovery and Travel Channel is kind of growing into the same thing. So, people are going to look at you and say like, which one of Eli's shows are we watching? I mean, I'm going to have five shows on Discovery Plus, and I didn't plan it. They all just, we just kept going, and we we like it. Like, I, I realized how much fun it is. You know, making movies and feature films is a very, it can be fast, but in general, it's a long, slow process. It's very expensive. And of course, I love it, but there's something deeply satisfying about the speed at which television moves and seeing what people come up with when something turns out way better than you thought. You were like, damn, that's really scary. Like, I still want to get scared. And what I love about Urban Legend is it really gives you my kind of grisly, oh, that's so sick. How could someone think of that kind of horror? But also, you know, the really terrifying, haunted, possessed, ghosty episodes, like the haunted prom dress that Ethan Evans did. And I was like, this is this is really, really <laughs> scary. But, you know, I just, I love scary stories. And I like, weirdly, I found with Ghost Through My Life, you know, we... We were just going, is there people with supernatural stalkers? Like, does that happen? Like, what if your <laughs> ex-girlfriend or boyfriend you, was dead? Yes, i tell you this much. I was going like, to say, he's Asian. You should have said that. Yeah, I got, I got so much. <laughs> Eli, you and I should talk for a few because yeah. I got so many stories you. got some you. stories. But see, the thing that's, that I find funny is in the Haitian household, we don't really mess with that. It's usually an ancestor. So they, they kind of trying to look out for us. But I have seen some crazy nonsense when it comes down to the paranormal, which it that's more my genre of horror. And yeah. it's just been like, I'll, I'll see like all kinds of, you know, since I was a kid, shadow people and and all kinds of stuff. But and this is this was this was date talk. This is yeah, how this we is got our to first date. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yo, baby, I saw some shadow people, man. You sure you want to get with this? Exactly. Like, <laughs> that's the crux of the show. Is yeah. when that happens to you, how do you date when you have like a ghost stalker? Word. And I, and exactly. I, I was like, I want to ask him, and it was like, your ex is stalking you, and it's a ghost, and now you're trying to date. What is that like? And and these people foresee, you know, we put a thing at the end, like, do you have a supernatural stalker? Contact us. You know, we could we found maybe 20 wow. people for the first one. We did eight episodes. We had over 2,000 submissions for season two of Ghost Through My Life. So we got to really cherry pick the best stories. Like they, they're amazing, but they're totally real. And they're like, I don't like what are, what are you gonna do? Nobody believes you. Everyone thinks you're crazy. And then you, we have the partner being like, yeah, I completely didn't believe them. I thought it was all in their head. And then that happened. And I was like, right. oh, wow, what do, we, what do we even do? Do we move? How do I help? <laughs> exactly. so, but even if you'd move, it doesn't matter because they're still with you. Now, listen, before we let you go, there's a question that we ask all of our guests. And that is, who is your favorite monster or weapon of choice and why? Probably my favorite monster was the alien in the first alien. And yeah. I saw that. That was the one that got me because I'd never seen anything like it that felt so real. And one of the things that's so frustrating about all these sequels is they keep changing the damn rules of the thing. And I was yeah. like, what is this? They're like, oh, this is the xenomorph. I was like, no, 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 no. 
It's the alien. That's it. It was called alien. When you bought the action figure, it said alien. And it grows in an egg and it's like a snake and it gets bigger and it's bigger. And then that's it. Now they're like, oh, there's the Xeno this. There's like 30 different varietals. I'm like, oh, this God. isn't wine. It's not like there's different grapes of <laughs> alien. Like, why, why can't the you Pinot just, Noir oh, this Yeah, this one just goes and then breaks into particles, which get in your brain and infect your... I was like, so we're in a oh, virus God. movie now? Like, yeah, I had the, was happening. I had the same reaction to Predator <laughs> when they said that they're Yauchas now. It's a Yaucha and there's a, a, you know, there's a hierarchy. It's like, no, it's no, a Predator. It's the Predator. <laughs> You just be a big ass, ugly ass alien that just came from out of space, and you just out here to mess people up. Like why Predator can't you just be was, that? Predator was amazing. Uh, the first yes, Predator, it was. but it's exactly it. So like, I get it. They got to mix it up. You can't do the same thing over and over. But that, so that was the first thing. So the alien, okay. that's all I'll call it. Alien, the alien and alien. <laughs> I mean, yes, there was the face hugger and it laid the egg and the thing, the thing, the alien. Yep. And what was the second question? Weapon, weapon of choice. Every time I pick up an axe, I think I'm in a slasher. It's like either an axe or a machete. You know, oh, the machete yes. was great. That's, because that's the thing about the axe, that's the, axe can, the axe can cut the head off, but I always love the machete because it only goes like halfway through the head. Like when Absolutely. you see someone in Dawn of the Dead or Friday the 13th, they get a machete in the head. It never fully splits. It always goes like right up to the nose or through the forehead. Like, ah, of someone. So, <laughs> but the axe, Silent Night, Deadly Night. I got to go with the axe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we used the act on Thanksgiving in my Grindhouse trailer Thanksgiving. And as soon as we did a thing where like Jeff, who I wrote it with, plays the Pilgrim Killer. And we were, all we would do is watch any, you know, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, any slasher movie, we would watch it. We saw Silent Night, Deadly Night in the theaters together. When he flipped the axe and it like caught the glint of the spark, we're like, yeah! <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. I've never been more excited <laughs> by anything. It's so stupid. Thank you so much for hanging out. We could talk to you like all day, but thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yes, absolutely. And congratulations on Urban Legends. We can't wait to check it out. And please tell everybody where they can find you. Instagram at real Eli Roth. The others are fakes. Awesome. Nice. Thank you so much. Congratulations. And we can't wait to watch the rest of your takeover. (laughs) Thanks, guys. That was such a fun conversation. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Yeah, Pinot Noir Alien. That totally cracked me up. You know, and I loved his shout out to short form. Not everything needs to be a feature film. Now it's time for our favorite segment we like to call This Week in Bad Decisions. We talk about some of the most unbelievable urban legends from the franchise. My choice is Tom from Urban Legends, Bloody Mary. He's the guy who got electrocuted after urinating on an electric fence, which is like <laughs> yes. not... If that was the case, animals would die all the time because they're always being all over the place. I think I remember that. Like, he actually egged it on, too, because he saw the short circuit volume, like a, a sign, like the, the yeah, high voltage like, sign. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do and it like anyway. beer on it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's like the electric fence got retribution and and killed him. It was just the dumbest way to go. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that was you know, had you held it and gone home, you literally would have been alive today, Tom. Or just went to the other side where the bushes. You'd have been fine. There you go. <laughs> like, come on. So what? What's yours? My pick is from the original Urban Legend movie, mm-hmm. um, and it has to be from two characters. In fact, Paul Gardner and Natalie Simon, played by Jared Leto and Alicia Witt. This actually made me angry. 
Because, you know, they decide to leave Reese Wilson, played by Lorella Devine, after being stabbed and shot in the stomach. Wait, wait, wait. Who was stabbed and shot? Reese? Reese. Reese was stabbed and shot by the killer. And they left her in this abandoned house, bleeding out, while they took their little drive to right, go they and were find like, oh, out. we're going to go get help, but then they died anyway. I'm like, where is help, though? Like, is it five hours away? And then what, what's even more messed up is that the killer was actually in the back seat. So while they were, quote-unquote, going for help, they had to fight this killer. So if this is an urban legend, at what point do we get to the twist? So the movie ended like it started. Well, the movie didn't really end like that because Paul, driving the car, presses the brake, and the killer goes headfirst into the windshield and falls into the river. So wait, but that's good because they killed the killer. That's really good, right? That would, that would be awesome. But you know what? Loretta Devine is back there bleeding out at that abandoned house after <laughs> she saved their lives in the first place. So are you mad at Loretta Devine's character, Reese, for taking this job? Or are you mad at these people for leaving her behind? Actually, when you mention it like that, I think I'm mad of, mad of all three. I'm mad at all three of them. <laughs> You know what? Like, Reese should have just did her she quiet quitting quit. when the dean was like, no, we're not going to involve cops or police or parents or any kind of other authority. She was like, we need more manpower. And he was like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't. Then I'd have done the 90s versions of quiet quitting. I'd have just left. <laughs> she should have gone. She should have <laughs> gone. <laughs> but yeah, that was my... That was my uh, Bad decision for this week. <laughs> so those are our picks for this week in bad decisions. But what do you think we should have picked? Let us know using the hashtag Pop Paranormal. Listen, that's all the time we've got. But before we go, in true Pop Paranormal fashion, we're going to leave you with a riddle and a clue about what next week's show is all about. So what does a cookbook, a gremlin, and cigarettes have in common? Think you know the answer? Use hashtag PopParanormal on all social platforms to tell us what you think. Make sure to follow Travel Channel at Travel Channel on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. See you on the other side. Pop Paranormal is produced by Neon Hum for Travel Channel. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review. <laughs> 